Hello, everyone. This is Michelle. I hope everyone's having a great day. I'm here for another episode of Orange Juice Optional with my co-host, Suzanne. How are you today, Suzanne? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And thanks for the little shout out to why hello. I don't even know if you realized you said that, but why hello? Absolutely. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I appreciate it. So how's your day going, Michelle? It's going well. I started it out with a really nice walk down on the channel. And there's a lot of activity right now as people are getting ready for spring break, which because of COVID, I'm sure it'll be different. But I don't know. There still seem to be a lot of people there. I I don't know. And then, yeah, I'm getting to talk to you, which I'm so excited about, except it's through a computer screen, which that kind of bums me out. It is. It's But soon enough, we will be recording in the same room. We're getting together in just a couple of weeks, aren't we? Yes, I can't wait. And it's definitely trending that way now that you have gotten what, Suzanne? I have finally qualified for the COVID vaccine. And I got my first shot last week. And I'm on the calendar for my second shot. So are you as giddy as uh, Jeff was? I am giddy. But (laughs) I I'm thinking, okay, well, I really have to be cautious. I really have to wait to get giddy. It takes a couple of weeks for the first shot to be effective. And then you have to get the follow-up shot and then you're good to go. And then I've been hearing lots of things about side effects to the second shot. So I'm kind of gearing myself up for a couple of days of being under the weather. And so, yeah, I could say I'm giddy and I do feel the freedom. You know, I was calling Jeff's shot the freedom shot and I do feel that, yeah, there's a little bit of freedom attached to knowing you're vaccinated. (laughs) So I'm so happy that you got that first shot and that you're working towards a second shot, but it is that apprehension because you do hear about how it does for some people come with side effects. So I'm certainly hoping that's not the case for you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, it is what it is. If, I, if I'm down for a couple of days, I'm down for a couple of days. I think it's worth it. Right. I think I shared with you that my son Colton got his first shot because he's doing student teaching and so he was eligible. Right. So the scary part, or not scary part, just the interesting part, and I hope he doesn't get side effects from the second shot, but he's scheduled next week, or actually the week that this is released, for that second shot, and then he has a virtual job interview the next day. So I am certainly hoping that there are no (laughs) side effects for him. Knocking on wood right now. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, I hope not. I know, that would be miserable to be sitting there on this virtual interview. Well, at least it's explainable. At least he can say, hey, I am had my second COVID shot, have a few side effects, and, and they'll be understanding. I hope so. And I think his effects with the first were just like yours. He had a sore arm. Yeah. It was bugging him. So hopefully the second one is just a sore arm also for both of you. Right. Now, do you know, did he get Moderna or Pfizer? I know Johnson & Johnson is out, but I haven't talked to anyone who's gotten the Johnson & Johnson shot yet. You know, I should probably ask him, and I'm going to put that on my notes to talk to him about. I I didn't even think to ask which one he got. Yeah. Well, Jeff had the Pfizer shot, and he got his second shot yesterday. Actually, he's still in Alaska, and I I haven't spoken to him today to see how he's feeling. So we'll see. Did you get the Pfizer? No, I got got Moderna. Oh, so dueling shots in the household. We're going to compare notes. We're going to (laughs) see... 
how it goes for both of us. Yeah, then you can share them with the rest of us. Although some of the side effects, like if you start growing green ears or something, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that won't happen. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. (laughs) So I was talking to my parents the other day and they wanted to share a story with me about the podcast. And when they approached me, I know it's all going to be positive because that's what they do. They, they tell me the sunshine of things and they're very encouraging because I'm putting myself out there. So I got a phone call from my dad and he was telling me that him and my mom were down walking on the channel with my niece, Bailey, and that often what they do down there is they listen to the podcast. So they push play, they're listening to it. And my dad is just frustrated. My mom's like, what's wrong, John? And he goes, why does Michelle talk so fast? We need to tell her to slow down because people are not going to be able to understand what she's saying. It's very hard for me to listen to. I'm missing most of it. And my mom is looking at him and she's like, John, I don't want to hurt her feelings. She does talk fast in this, but they only have 55 minutes. So maybe they have a lot to say and they want to get it all in. And that's why her and Suzanne talk so fast. They threw you in there too. Uh huh. So they had been feeling this way since the premiere of our podcast back in November that I talked too fast. And my niece is listening and she's like, yeah, that is kind of fast. It's kind of like sometimes when I listen to one of my recorded lessons at school because I put it in a faster mode. So she's like, let me see your phone. And so my dad hands the phone and sure enough, they have it like in chipmunk mode. (laughs) And they have been listening to all these episodes in chipmunk mode, but afraid to tell me because it might hurt my feelings. They just thought you and I had a lot to share and say. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God they had it in chipmunk mode because I was thinking, okay, now if I'm self conscious about how fast I'm talking, that's really going to mess me up. So the moral of the story is we are not talking too fast. They just have it in chipmunk mode. Yes, I think they are more technology challenged than I am. And it took the teenager to um, correct the problem for them. Thank (laughs) goodness, because I didn't even know that was possible. So I would have been, we would have been on this episode talking very slowly so that people understand us. Yes. And then when Riley and Daniel got the recording, they'd be like, why are they talking so slow? (laughs) Who are these two idiots? (laughs) Oh, well, I just had to share that. I thought that was super, super funny. And well, bless their hearts for not wanting to hurt your feelings and and giving you some honest criticism. Right. And thank you to them for listening every week. Absolutely. We talked too fast. We sounded like chipmunks. (laughs) So then, you know, they share the story with me. And then I start getting some more behind the scenes stories of last week's episode when my sister was here recording with us. Right. So if you recall, I went and made my sister that first mimosa. Right. And it was gone quick. And she was asking for a second one. And Rob happened to peek into her room. And she's like, Rob, get me a second mimosa. He's like, sure, I'll make it for you. Never have Rob make you a drink. Because (laughs) what I found out later is it was orange juice champagne, and vodka in that drink. <laughs> I was going to say, he put vodka in that drink, didn't he? <laughs> he sure did. And that's why she got a little bit more chatty towards the end, I think. That is funny. 
<laughs> I think my sister was really nervous. I mean, her true personality was coming through. But after we wrapped that episode, she had me in stitches. She is so incredibly funny. So I hope at some point we can have her back and just cut that leash and let her just lead it. Yeah, I think she would be great. We we definitely need to do that. But she did have so much fun. And again, she says thank you for having her on. Oh, it was very fun. So then I've had a lot of people talking to me about the podcast. My mother-in-law, Sue, wanted me to let you know that she remembers Queen Elizabeth's coronation and watching it on television. Yes. So she wanted you to know that, which then reminded me of the show, The Crown. And wasn't that a Prince Philip thing? Like they were saying, no, we don't broadcast it, but he, he insisted. And so... Yes. There is a documentary that your mom should watch, or maybe she's already watched it. Well, there are two documentaries, and I think they were both on Netflix, but I'm not 100% sure. But one is called The Coronation, and it's a recap of the coronation. Like, there are video clips, and they show the coronation with Queen Elizabeth's comments. You know, so like she's watching the coronation, and she's narrating how she was feeling and what was going on in her mind when all of this was taking place. It's a fascinating documentary. Yeah. How cool is that? I know. And then there's a second documentary. I actually was watching this on a plane a few years ago. Um, The year she turned 90, it was the queen at 90. And that's the name of the documentary. And the whole Royal family sits and watches the home videos that She took with the video camera that her father gave her as a wedding gift, who would have been King George. And these are home videos that she had never watched. And a lot of her family, including her children and her grandchildren, had never seen these videos. And they're videoing their reaction to these home videos. It is the coolest documentary ever. And that I'm almost sure was on Netflix. You should watch that because... It is fascinating (laughs) to to watch. Right. And you know how I love the royals and anything Mm -hmm. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip and their family. And speaking of, I'm going to get a little off topic here, which we're really not even on topic yet. Right. um, (laughs) Are you going to watch the Harry and Meghan special that's coming out with Oprah? Oh, hell yes. I mean, absolutely. And yeah, the buildup to this documentary and how the London is reacting and the royal family is reacting. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to watch it. Yeah, I get caught up in everything royal as well. Are you going to watch it? I know you will. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm on a countdown, but as it gets closer, I'm getting like this knot in my stomach because I feel so bad for Harry. That was his family and everything. And there seems to be this distance there now and you don't get this time back. And so I do feel bad about that. He's doing what he should as a husband and standing by his wife and right. his, his family, but still that alienation of his roots, everything he's known, his roots, how he's grown up, that, that kind of just yeah, and like stabbing me a little bit. I agree. And I was actually even thinking about that when I was watching a preview of the upcoming interview. And I thought, I wonder, this is a whole nother topic that we should do. Um, at some point in our podcast, is his older version of himself, like when he's 60, will he look back on this time and say, if I knew then what I know now, 
would I have handled it the way I did? You know, will he have regrets about how he's handling it now when he's 60? And I think it'll be interesting. We may never know the answer to that, but it's interesting to think about because sometimes I think there's a little bit of immaturity involved. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just think maybe some hindsight will make him look at life differently. Right. And hindsight does everybody good to be able to look back and then to use that to help guide future generations and stuff to be able to share your experiences and what you got right and what you got wrong. And so that's a very interesting topic. And I do absolutely think we should revisit that right moving forward. And, you know, the part also about this that is just stinging a little bit is that Prince Philip is in the hospital. Right. So, I mean... Ah, that's a stinger also. It is. But the part about what I was just saying, which, again, I get so off topic, and we haven't even hit our topic of the day. But I think we should have an episode, a podcast episode about what we would tell our younger selves. And CBS, the morning show on CBS did a long series. I don't know if they still do it, but they did a long series where they would interview celebrities or they would have celebrities write letters to their younger selves. And I just found it fascinating to listen to these older, wiser people reflect back on their youth and say, here's what I would tell you. (laughs) Here's what I would tell myself if I knew then what I know now. I think that's such a fascinating topic. And I guess we are in that older and wiser stage of life right now. Well, you you're I on the cusp. Of, yeah, you're on the cusp of it. I'm I'm well into it. Well, <laughs> maybe the, we can do that in May. Yeah. Kind of I think like that's a good idea. my birthday is approaching and good idea. I do get reflective at that time. So that might be a really good episode for right around the birthday period. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. And then maybe in our next episode, at least for the first couple minutes, we can revisit the um, Harry and Meghan interview because at that point we will have seen it and the world will know about it. And I'm right. sure they want to know our opinions on it. <laughs> well, of course, because anyone who's <laughs> listening to us wants our opinions. But yeah, I think we could do a whole episode on the Royals. Right. Well, and I'm going to circle back around because what I was saying was really going to be my segue into what we're actually talking about today because I watched the Queen at 90, that documentary, while I was traveling somewhere. I don't remember where. The interesting thing about it, and I knew I was watching a good documentary, when several people sitting around me (laughs) asked me what I was watching, and they were so caught up in the documentary that when we, I had to actually put my device away, people asked me, what was that you were watching? Like they had been watching it over my shoulder. And two flight attendants asked me, what are you watching? And I just thought it was fascinating that I didn't realize that people were watching it with me because I had earphones in and I was listening and no one else could hear it. But anyway, that leads us into our topic today about traveling. And that is what we're going to talk about. I did have a couple more things I want to share with you, but if we'll have, if we have time, I'll just share them at the end of the episode. Oh, no, go I think ahead. they'll put us a smile on your face. Oh, well, you already introduced the subject. So maybe we should just jump into that (laughs) and then circle back as a closer. Okay. That sounds good to me. So now that you have your COVID shot, 
yeah. and you have your second one scheduled, I see traveling in your future, the potential of travel in your future, which means airports, airlines, and all those headaches that go with airline travel. Well, and I'll tell you, I've, I've actually, during the time of COVID, I have traveled a couple times, um, not real long trips. And just real recently, I, I took a quick jaunt on a flight. And it's interesting. I was thinking about this the last time I was on my flight because I thought, you know, when I started flying, I was remembering back to when I was seven and my very first flight with my dad. We lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My dad took me to Indianapolis with him. And it was my very first time on an airplane. And I was terrified. And I realized the other day that was probably about a 15 minute flight, but I was terrified. And then when we lived in Alaska, the only way you can get anywhere is to fly. And I hated flying and I hated leaving my children. And I always thought that plane was going to go down. And then as we've gotten older, we have become very experienced travelers, you know, very well traveled. But when I just recently took my flight, I, I have reverted back because I've become unaccustomed to flying again. And I have to get back in the groove. And I was finding myself fumbling over things and getting nervous. And my the flight I was just on was very bumpy. And I had gotten to the point where turbulence didn't bother me and weird sounds on the plane didn't bother me. And all of a sudden, here I am on this flight. And I'm like, everything was making me nervous. So anyway, I have missed traveling. And I have reverted back to my original fear of flying. I can see where that that would happen. Do you want me to help you right now? Help you remember the experienced traveler in you? Because I did put together a little quiz for you, just because I thought it would be fun. Oh, absolutely. I promise you they're all places you've visited, but I just want you to see that you are still in the flow of traveling. Okay, have at it. I'm ready. And it has to do with airport codes, which I'm sure you will recognize all these airport codes and you'll be like, yes, I've been to a lot of places. I can do this. So I have seven or eight written down. So I'll just give you the airport code and then you can tell me what city it's for. Okay, sounds good. So I'll start out easy. Mm -hmm. P H. X. Phoenix. Yay. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've flown to Phoenix. The next one, ORD. O'Hare, Chicago. Correct. The next one, IAD. Okay. It's in Washington, D.C. Is that um, Dulles or is that or Washington? I'm impressed. It is Dulles. Very oh, good. Oh, Dulles. Okay. Okay. The next one, CDG. CDG. That's a tough one. CDG. And they might be international. I was just going to say, is this international? I, let's circle back to that one. I don't know that one off the top of my head. Okay, because I have a good story about that airport too. Oh, okay. Okay, the next Oh, one. is that um, Paris? Yes, it is. Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle, yeah. Yes. Um, the next one, BNA. Oh, I know this one too. BNA. Um, okay, don't know off the top of my head. Think 2019. So is it Auckland or is it? This one is not international. Oh, it's not international. 2019. Somewhere we went as a group in 2019. Okay, I'm going to come back to that one. Don't tell me yet because I'm going to come back to that one. Okay, G-E-G. Oh, that's Spokane. That's correct. And then F-R-A. 
Um, gosh, I know that one too. Dang it. Okay. I think it, that one's international. <laughs> oh, is that one Frankfurt? Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. So what's the one I didn't get? BNA. And where did we go in 2019? It was October of 2019. Nashville? Uh, yes. Oh. Very good. So all of them you got. Wow. So see, you're more experienced than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> yeah. And and had I known you were going to give me this quiz, I would have tossed it back at you and given you a quiz. I should name the city and you should give me the three-letter code. Well, if you can think of a city I've been to, we can try it. Okay. What is Auckland? New Zealand. I think it's A-U-K. It is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What is Honolulu? H-N-L. Oh, good. What is San Francisco? I know that one. S-F-O. Yeah. Um, What is, is it, (laughs) I don't even know the name of the city. (laughs) I was going to say Santa Rosa. Oh, shit. Um, That one's a tough one. Um, But isn't that where you fly into normally when we go to Napa? I have flown in there, but I cannot remember what that airport code is. I don't know what it is either. I was just for some reason I'm thinking it has like a flowery name or flowery something that reminds me of flowers is its um, code, but I can't remember. I should Google it. So before the end of the show, I'll Google it so we know what it is. What about Las Vegas? Las Vegas is LAS. LAS, yep. And that one I always get mixed up with another one. Oh, what is Miami? MIA. Is it MIA? See, I'm just throwing cities out there and I don't really know. (laughs) Well, it's okay. I mean, you did stump me on one. I didn't stump you on any, but I used to work for the airline, so I had to learn these codes. Oh. (laughs) But it was many years ago and I have a 50-year-old brain almost now. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, that you did really good. But see, we're both more experienced than we remember. You know what? The other thing, which is the alphabet, the aeronautical alphabet, when they say A, I will like, I know D is Delta. So that right. you always make sure you're good. You know, my my sons both know that alphabet. And I know a lot of the alphabet, but I don't know the whole alphabet. But, you know, a, lot of, a lot of people, when they're taking orders over the phone, they'll say A is an apple. But I, I don't even know what it is. But that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's so funny because... I have to spell things out because a lot of people can't understand me or they get an F like Frank or an S like Sam. Right. Mix up. So I always have to, you know, spell it out or those harder ones like M and N. And I always make something up on the fly. So it could be like M for Maxine or M for Michael. I, I don't know what the correct terms are. So you can get some really funny ones if I ever have to spell something out for you. <laughs> Okay, so I just Googled the Santa Rosa airport code, and the airport is named after Charles Schultz, the cartoonist. Oh, that's right. The Peanuts. Mm -hmm. But it is actually the Sonoma County Airport, and the code is STS. That's right. Yeah, nothing like a flower, so I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) Uh, I don't know either, but that's okay. Oh, wait, but wait, I take that back, because Santa Rosa airport code... In the next line, it says Santa Rosa Airport code is RSA, which is like a rose. So it's RSA. So we have two airports here in Santa Rosa. One is the Sonoma County Airport, which is STS. And one is Santa Rosa Airport, which is RSA. 
more information than anyone really cares about, I would think. Unless they're going to Napa, they might want to know. Right. A good point. Okay. And maybe we should go to Napa. Yeah, let's. Oh, yes, I think so. So anyhow, we were going through those airport codes. And when we got to the Charles de Gaulle airport, I have a fond place in my heart for that airport because of a trip I took once and we had our kids with us. We were getting ready. Well, two really cool things happened. We were getting ready to fly back to the States. We were walking through the airport with all four of our boys and there was a piano just sitting there. And Rob said to Jimmy, why don't you go play your song on that piano? Oh, Which I think it was a Green Day song at that time. It was the one that he played. And Jimmy sat down in the middle of the Charles de Gaulle airport and started playing this piano. And this whole group of people came and they were watching him. It was like the coolest thing. Wow, that is so cool. (laughs) It was one of those moments you won't forget. And then we actually were flying out of Paris on D-Day. I think, is it D-Day that's like June 7th? Yeah, or yeah. I was going to say June 6th, but what do I know? I think it's June 7th, but go ahead. Right. So it was probably a couple days after that because there had been a big, it was one of those big anniversaries where they had um, survivors come back and be there. And one of them was on our flight. And as they boarded him, they announced it. Uh, Everybody started clapping. And uh, it was just like one of those moments that was so spectacular where to just be a witness to it just them showing their gratitude to him and they upgraded him into first class, him and his wife. And that's what I remember about the Charles de Gaulle airport. It was a really touching, memorable moments on both accounts. Ah, That is so cool. Which brings me to one of those types of memories. And you know, when, when you're in the airport and you're sitting at a gate and there's hubbub, (laughs) you know, there's activity And you always think, okay, someone famous is coming. And this happened to me. I was, don't know which airport, but I had two connections to get home. So I'm sitting in the airport by myself and there's a band and there are balloons and the the flight crew, like several flight crews are lining up to greet someone. So, you know, people around me, are getting up, you know, and they have their cameras ready because you know it's someone big. Well, it was the Make-A-Wish Foundation <laughs> taking a family to Disneyland. And they came, They were walking down the entire terminal and the crew had lined up on both sides and they were cheering and they had a band And they were walking this child with his family to the airplane. And I was sobbing because I thought, wow. And then they had the balloons where you board the gate, you know, where you board the plane. They had balloons and they took his picture with Mickey Mouse. And uh, it was amazing. Wow. And I found out later that it was that it was Make-A-Wish and Disneyland were working together because at my connection, different airport, same thing happened. So in a totally different city, there was another Make-A-Wish family getting on an airplane. Same thing. 
the band, the balloons, the photos, uh, that were everyone lined up and was cheering when he got on the plane. Uh, it's was such a moving experience. I love things like that. I eat that stuff up. I sure do too. And it's like those moments that you have to hold on to when you look around you and you're like, what the <laughs> hell is going on in this world around us? Right. And then you just recall the goodness and uh, all the people that made that moment happen for that child who was suffering. I know. And his family, you know, and his parents, how much that must have meant to his parents, you know, to give him that, that moment in his probably short little life. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That I've been at the airport also where Make-A-Wish has been there and it is a moving, moving it is. Um, it is. moment. What a so. great organization. And I hope moving forward as restrictions lift and travel becomes a little bit easier for people, especially those who are most vulnerable, that Make-A-Wish continues. I know. So now that you have your shot, do you think that air travel... <sighs> Yes. Is on the horizon soon or shortly? <laughs> I I think I started booking trips the second that needle came out of my arm. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Why let any grass grow under your feet, right? <laughs> That's right. And I did. I thought I can fill this year up quickly with travel plans. And and I was thinking about this too, because I have a cousin whose daughter is getting married in September. And they're going to have this big wedding and all of those brides this year that will be able to have a wedding and how lucky they are and what a great celebration it'll be. You know, I feel bad for all of the brides who had to at the last minute change their wedding plans because of COVID and, and every bride I've talked to said it happened the way it should have. And it was a wonderful event, but what great fun it will be to have these celebrations again where we can all come together. I'm definitely looking forward to that also. And I know I have two weddings coming up, one in Texas and then one back in Alaska, which I'm looking forward to because they get to celebrate. I know. I know. And actually I do too. We also have a wedding in Alaska that we will go to and and in Texas too. And in you Texas. Don't forget that one, Suzanne. Oh my gosh, I'm going to just have to I already have that one booked. I already have the hotel. I'm I'm way ahead of the game in that. And well, and then I should share this story. My mom's family um, has had a week at Lake Michigan. Used to be Lake Huron, switched to Lake Michigan. But we figured it's been probably 50 years running. And last year was the first year that these siblings did not come together for their family reunion. And of course, when we were kids, this was our vacation every year. We'd go to Lake Michigan for a week and spend it with our cousins. And then as we grew up, we brought our children. And now our children are bringing their children. So we're like in the fourth generation of this family reunion every year on Lake Michigan. And last year was just so painful to cancel. And my 80-year-old uncle, all of the siblings in this family are still living. And uh, my 80-year-old uncle sent out an email to all of us, including my cousins and all of their nieces and nephews, and said, let's do it. You know, the first generation, they're all in their 80s now. It's like, if 
ever there was a time we should get together, it's this year. So we have that to look forward to as well this summer. Okay. Is that in July? Did you say what? That is in July. Yep. It's the third week in July every year since I was, I think I was probably nine or 10 the first year we went. So well, that is definitely something to look forward to and to just be with family. And I know, and it, it has such meaning. It just has such a different importance than it used to. So I know you have your um, son Jimmy's wedding coming up and you have your 50th birthday celebration. What else do you have planned for the year travel-wise? Or, or because you haven't gotten your shot, you really haven't ventured out yet. Well, I'm going to Texas the first week of April to meet with the venue and do some wedding planning. And then I'm going back to Alaska right after that. I did postpone my trip yet again. I just can't pull that plug, but I am going to go back on March 23rd. I'm flying back to Alaska for a week. Well, that's good. That's not too big of a commitment. No, not too big of a commitment. Then coming back here, going to Texas. And then I just figure I'll be available for what I I need to be available for for the wedding. And then with my 50th birthday, I would really love to do something in Vegas with my friends, but I don't know what the restrictions are going to be. So I haven't planned anything yet. But I can be there because I'll be vaccinated. (laughs) Yes, you can. I might not be there because I don't know if I will be by then, but. Well, okay. And I've heard that everyone by the end of May, anyone who wants to be vaccinated will be vaccinated by the end of May. So there's a good chance you will have the vaccine by then. And I haven't committed to it yet, but I am flying back to Anchorage and I'm eligible there now. So we'll more than likely get my first vaccination then and then have to fly back up there at some point to get the second one. Yeah. And I have to say, Alaska has been the rock star in the vaccination department. They're number one in the country for giving the vaccine and they have done a phenomenal job. They have. And I saw yesterday that the Anchorage mayor started lifting some of those emergency restrictions. Oh, really? I missed that. Yes, it was in, I think it was just yesterday she had a press conference about that. So that's good. Yeah, that is. So we should get back to our travel and what is different about travel because of COVID. I've only um, done one plane flight or one round trip during COVID. So I don't have a lot of experience uh, with the airports and the the flying and how things are different. I know I had to wear a mask the whole time. So from the time you enter the airport until you get to your hotel or wherever you're staying on the other end, I had to wear a mask, which is difficult. That's not very much fun. No. I just have to make sure to have my mask spray because yuck (laughs) or multiple masks I can change out. Right. Well, and I just have to say, I think it was pretty brilliant of me early on to discover that I could spray my mask with, um, like, I do use a mint hand sanitizer (laughs) and I spray the inside of my mask so it smells like mint, but it actually also sanitizes the inside of the mask. And I am sure there are people out there, health officials out there saying, oh, my God, don't listen to what she's saying. Not a good idea. But it has worked for me. And you're willing to take that risk. I am willing to take that risk to make it easier to wear that mask. So what have your experiences been or what have you noticed that is different in air travel during COVID or after COVID? Well, and and I could go a couple different directions with this. This most recent trip, 
I flew out of the Phoenix airport into the Seattle airport. So we could talk about the differences between the airports, or we could talk about what it was like before COVID in the midst of height of COVID fear and what it is as we've all settled into COVID because there are remarkable differences from each stage of travel. So I'll let, I'll let you take the lead on that one because again, you have more travel experience with airplanes during this time than I do. I just have to say to our listeners that I did say to Suzanne right before she flew out to Seattle that I wished her a safe trip, but I hope something unexpected happens so she has a good story for the podcast. (laughs) And I can honestly say nothing unexpected happened. It it was probably one of my very few normal flights that didn't have any surprises that turned into a story for me later because usually there's something. But I figured, (laughs) as my mom would say, the good Lord's looking down on you, Suzanne, and knew that you were uptight enough about flying and didn't throw any wrenches into your trip. (laughs) Yes. Didn't want to offer any additional challenges. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I will, as I said earlier, that was the biggest thing for me is I was used to traveling so much that I had become very complacent with travel and getting on a plane had become second nature to me. It was like getting behind the wheel of a car, you know, driving. And so it was really no big deal, but I've gone months without flying. And so when I was on this this recent trip, I cannot believe how nervous I got and how uptight I was. I mean, I if I had had Valium, I would have taken a Valium to get through the flight because I was it just kind of rocked my boat a little bit. And really, that's fascinating. I, I mean, I know how much you traveled beforehand, but I, I get it too. Yeah. Well, and it's like you just it's because when you travel all the time, you become accustomed to the bumps. You become accustomed to the sounds a plane makes. You become accustomed to the smells that you smell. And when you haven't done it for a long time, it's like all of a sudden every turbulent bump is like, what was that? (laughs) Or like when they turned on the heater (laughs) on the plane and you get that, there's a burning smell that you get when you turn on the heater (laughs) on an aircraft. And it's very common But when you haven't smelled it in a long time, I had to take pause and I had to think, okay, is something on fire? Am I the only person on this plane that smells this? And then, of course, you take a quick glance at the flight attendants to see if they have any alarm in their face. And if they look fine, they continue talking, you know, everything's good. And then when you're taking off, there's a certain point where they kind of pull back on the engines and it feels you're probably, I know nothing about flying, but they're probably either leveling off the plane or they're pulling back the speed of the aircraft. And I usually expect it, but I had forgotten about that. So when I felt that, yeah, the anxiety was just like, and it's like, okay, Suzanne, get a grip. You know, you can do this. But that was my experience this trip because it had been so long and I had lost sight of all of those things that are so normal in a flight. Yeah, I, you know, I was just thinking when you were talking about them turning on the engines, and this point is always so frustrating to me when I fly with my husband, that smell of jet fuel or whatever is going on there instantly puts him to sleep. Oh, 
And I am a nervous flyer. Like when we take off, I'm counting for the first 90 seconds. It's a trick. Oh, I do, I do that too. Yeah, it's a trick my husband taught me. Uh-huh. And so I'm counting, but I want him awake to be like holding my hand. But no, he's asleep. He is asleep until they come by with towels or drinks or something that'll wake him up. But I'm like, the time I really need you, you're there sleeping. Stop it. (laughs) Hold my hand. It's so funny when that you tell me that because I used to wear a watch with a second hand and I would wear that watch because I would time the first two minutes. And as long as I got through the first two minutes of the flight, I was good to go. And it's because one time I was sitting next to a pilot and I was an extremely nervous flyer. And he said to me, the first two minutes are the worst. It's the most likely time you're going to, if the plane's going to crash or something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong in the first two minutes. And I clung to that, whether that's true or not, whether he was just trying to make me feel better, I don't know, but I clung to it. And then when I quit wearing a watch because of my phone, I (laughs) count to 120 to get that two minutes, but I count like this. One, 1,000, two, 1,000. So really, by the time I get to 120, I've actually really should have counted to like 300. And then I feel safe. Yes, you need to go into chipmunk mode. (laughs) No, but I can't do it. No, I mean, better to be on the far side of 120 rather than inside and thinking you've already made it. Right. That makes sense. Yes, that makes total sense. (laughs) My brain kind of works in circles sometimes, so... (laughs) Yeah. So that being said, so that was my experience flying. And the mask thing, you know, it's it's a pain. It's a it's a nuisance. But I flew two different airlines. I won't even mention the airlines, but I flew one airline one direction. And the difference between the two airlines was very different as well. One of the airlines was very strict about wearing your mask. The other airlines, not so much. They were like, yeah, you know, there was one reminder. The other airline, the second airline, <laughs> they were every 10 minutes, please make sure your mask is on. Please check your mask. Your mask needs to be on securely. And so it was very interesting, the different take with the different airlines. Right. Would the stricter airline be the one that has made that video that runs on my Instagram all the time? I'm not going to say their name um, either. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know because I haven't seen that. Okay. Video. I haven't okay. seen the video, but I appreciated the strictness of wearing the mask and the strictness of how they board the plane and how they unload the plane, which I was thinking about that too, because how they, when you land, they have everyone remain seated and then they call your row just like they do when they board the plane. They'll say, when they're boarding, they'll say rows 30 to 34 you can board and then they'll go 24 to 30. Okay. You can board. So getting off the plane, they do the same thing in reverse. Let's say rows one through four, you can get up and get your bags and get off. Then rows five through 10. So not everyone is standing up at the same time. And it's like, God, why don't they do that all the time? Why does everyone have to stand up at the same time and crush the aisle waiting to get off the plane? You know, when someone can just give you, say, okay, rows one through four, you get up. Rows five through 10, you get up. Makes so much sense. It does make so much sense. And I'm going to get it off topic a little bit here, but that is one of Rob's biggest pet peeves 
flying is when everybody stands up after the flight and people from the rows behind him push past him. He cannot stand it. And I have to like keep grabbing his leg or his arm and like, it's okay, please just don't make a scene. But it really does irritate him to the point where when he gets off, he'll walk behind that person and just talk about, oh, it's so rude when people do that. I, <laughs> I'm like, stop it. I know. I know. Well, good for them. Good for yeah. that airline. Because if you're going to have a policy, you should enforce it. And when you get lax, then it's chaos. <laughs> it is. And they do. That was the other thing that they did is they announce, they say, hey, we go and we do and we do a cleaning of the bathroom every 15 minutes on this flight, we will clean the bathroom, which I thought that's impressive. That definitely is. Now, are they still restricting uh, beverage service during the flights or the option of food service? Okay. So the first airline that wasn't as strict had full food service, limited beverage service. And the second flight, I got a bag of goldfish and a biscotti and an eight ounce bottle of water. And that was it. So they have cut basically their food and drink out of the mix. You know, they just, they offered a very limited drink service. And they did ask me, do you want beer or wine? And I said, no, I, I'm good. Just because it was a short flight. So it's like, no, I'll just take the water. Yeah. But the other airline, limited drink service, but full food service. Okay. And do you have to wear your mask in between sips? Is that what they're asking for the liquids yes. or in between bites? Okay. Yes, they do. But the first flight, very loosely enforced, where the second flight, different airline, tightly enforced. Right. My uh, husband's friend was here visiting and he flew back from Vegas to Minneapolis. And I'm thinking he was on Southwest Airlines, but there was a passenger, a younger girl on that flight who refused to wear her mask and she would get up and go to the bathroom and not put her mask on. And I guess when the flight arrived in Minneapolis, it was met by Southwest agents and also, I think they said police. Well, and they did tell us that. They said, this is federally mandated. You must wear a mask or you will face the fine and the penalty. So they do tell you that. They, they're very firm about it. But yeah. So it's interesting to see that they actually do that. Yes. So when I fly back to Alaska, two flights, a very long day, yep. I will be following the rules because I'm a rule follower and wearing my mask. Yep. And that's the other interesting thing that I was going to say, because I was in the Phoenix airport and everything was closed. There was a Starbucks open and the Hudson magazine, you know, bookstore shop where you get your essentials for flying. That was it. Nothing else was open. But the Seattle airport was full service. It was like it was back to normal. So I found that very interesting, too. I find that really interesting, too, because I would think almost it would be reversed. Or that's right. how it was early on. It was reversed, right. where Seattle was all shut down and other places were more open. And I was in Terminal 3 in the Phoenix airport. Terminal 4 is their main terminal, and I don't know how that terminal is, if everything is open. But in Terminal 3, everything was closed, except for one Starbucks. So I found that very interesting. 
Yeah, all this is so fascinating to me. And I know we're probably running out of time for this week's episode. (laughs) But I have so much else I would like to share, like our fun stories about flying. So we are going to have to revisit. Yes, we are. Airplane stories. Yeah, I agree. Because um, I know. Because we did. I don't even feel like we hit the tip of the iceberg yet. We definitely didn't. And I just looked over at the clock. I'm like, oh, wow, we better be wrapping this up. I know. And then we didn't circle back around to the things that you were going to bring up either. Oh, I can I can say those really quickly okay. um, because they're just messages for you. I get all these things that are like, tell Suzanne, but oh. probably because they're telling me in person. But my mother-in-law, Sue, uh-huh. wanted me to tell you what she wouldn't give to spend a night in your house in front of your library of books. Oh. Like she is just would love to just have a minute in your library. And oh. Every time on Facebook, you put one of your book lists out. Oh, yeah. She takes a picture of it and carries it around on her phone. So she wanted me to share that. And then she also wanted me to share that when she reads a book, she takes notes on it, writing about the main characters, kind of what the book was about. And so she has a whole list of all of those books that she's read. And she wanted me to make sure to share that with you. I think we should do another book episode and have her on as a guest. I think she would love that. She is so incredibly funny and um, and frankly, I want, well read. Yeah, and I wanted to have another book episode anyway because I feel like I had so much more to offer. <laughs> oh, so now you're going to use my mother in law to get you that book yes. episode? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I already agreed to do it. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say is I had a friend reach out to me on Facebook, and if you look on my my page, I guess you'll be able to see this. She had just been in Phoenix and she said that she really wanted to fangirl and go to Why Hello. Oh. So I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I had visions of Joanna Gaines and um is it Joanna or Joanne Gaines and Joanna. Magnolia? Yeah. Joanna. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate Jessica's remarks. So that was very sweet and very appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So I guess with all that shared and reluctantly, we're going to have to wrap this episode up. So until next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting, the biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godsend music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count, because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. 
So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.